Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show with the host that is setting a new standard for sexy, a new lower standard, that is. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe-smoking broadcast. I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from the fall foliage colors of North Carolina. And it's a Tuesday night, so another night of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And on tonight's show in Pipe Parts, going to cover the, uh, the week that was talk a little bit about the entire week that was including a recap of the conclave of richmond pipe smokers expo yeah the core show richmond virginia was last weekend my guest tonight quincy danger worthington and i'll definitely ask him how he got the middle name danger we'll find that out and uh, mailbag music that ties into uh, last week's rant a little bit. Yeah, not real pipe related, but hey, I'm playing some music for you anyway. And a rant. All that coming up at the end of this episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Um, you know, I noticed something a little different over the week, and possibly it has to do with the visitors that I had in town. Uh, spent time over the week with uh, Per Jensen and uh, Jorn from McBaron. Uh, Jorgen is a uh, super taster, a super, t- super taster. And I think combine that with the fall weather and his interest in not only in pipe tobacco and pipe tobacco flavorings, but also in the uh, in taste of all tobacco products. So we spent some time going in and out of cigar shops and it got me interested in thinking about cigars again. And I've been poking around in uh, trying some different cigars and you know the fall weather seems to go good with cigars I know a lot of you in the fall you switch to Latakia blends or heavier English blends well I've been dabbling with cigars and I'm not finding them to be uh, as flavorful as I remember went back to a couple of my old favorites and tried those just seem to be lacking a little bit of something a lot of the cigars seem to be very monotone but Maybe that's just me. Maybe it's uh, because we've been really busy and been running all over the place. So I'll keep an eye on that and give you an update on it. And if I come across any cigars that I really like, I'll make sure and uh, fill you in on them as well. So, all right, there you go. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Let's get this show going. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company. And here we go. This is Internet Radio. Meet Aaron, one of the most important people at SmokingPipes.com. In our shipping department, he's one of the cogs in the highly efficient wheel, if you will, that's responsible for making sure your order goes out right every time. Ain't that right, Aaron? I don't know all about that cog in the wheel stuff, but I do know at SmokingPipes.com, I take my work very seriously. Pulling tents of tobacco, weighing bulk tobacco, triple checking orders, and getting them out the door. Since it's so easy to order from SmokingPipes.com, you're keeping Aaron pretty darn busy. Look at him go, go, go. (laughs) In fact, it's been a challenge to get him to stop long enough to say hello. But Aaron doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why is that, Aaron? Because I don't just ship pipes. 
I smoke them. Gotta run. <laughs> Just log on to smokingpipes.com or call us at 1-888-366-0345. We are quality. We are experts. We are smokingpipes.com. I'm not just a pipe smoker. I'm a Meerschaum pipe smoker. All of my pipes come from MeershamStore.com. They've been in business for 50 years, and I can trust that there will be no hassles. Orders are processed and shipped fast, and they have every shape you can imagine, including Calabash, Claws, Dragons, Horror, even a sexy series. MeershamStore.com, the most trusted Meersham store for 50 years. Welcome back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. In just a few minutes, Quincy will be on the phone with me and we'll uh, learn about uh, what it's like to be a pipe-smoking pastor. So stay with us. Uh, In the meantime, let's recap the week that was. Last week, earlier in the week, I spent time with uh, Per Jensen traveling around to different smoke shops in the Charlotte area, meeting with him and getting prepared for yesterday's uh, first sales meeting of our national sales force in Richmond. And then on Friday, on Thursday night, drove up to Richmond, uh, stopped by the JR store in Burlington, North Carolina, which has got a, a great selection of pipes and pipe tobacco in it now. Picked up a few cigars, and I've smoked them over the weekend. Um, spent all day Friday in the factory working on getting prepped for the sales meeting and getting making sure everything's running along and getting ready for that friday night went over to the uh, dinner at the convention center and one thing that i do love about the show is that they have the dinner right there in the hall so you can smoke during the dinner no problems uh kind of sad knowing that this was going to be the last uh, conclave of richmond pipe smokers show but maybe more on that later just a little teaser, maybe more on that in a, in a couple more weeks. Um, Friday night's dinner, a lot of fun. Not uh, Nobody brought any pipes to show or share or try to sell at the Friday night dinner, so I thought that was a little strange. Saturday, the show opened bright and early at 9.30, set up lots of tables. Every table seemed to be full. Uh, noticed this year that there were many more retailers in attendance than what I'm used to besides the big online guys. Uh, not only did we have, uh, uh, Matt and John Hayes from John B. Hayes there, Old Virginia Tobacco Company had a table, Havana Connections, a local uh, shop here in Richmond. I believe they've got four stores here in Richmond. They had a table, uh, the folks from Emerson's out east of here in Norfolk and uh, Virginia Beach area. They had a table, plus a couple of uh, newer upstart, uh, newer stores. And I apologize if I don't have their names in front of me, but I was uh, busy doing my full-time job and didn't write down a lot of names and take a lot of notes. I'm doing a lot of this from memory. But there was uh, dramatically more retailers there, including uh, Premel from Smoker's Haven. He was there. Uh a handful of independent collectors selling their stuff. And of course some familiar faces didn't make it down for the show. So that was, uh, yeah, it's, it's standard with a show where you get people that show up some year and don't show up the next year because they've got a conflict or something. There was a noticeably fewer amount of pipe makers there this year than 
I've seen in the past the uh, pipe makers that were there included uh, Bruce Weaver, Rad Davis, Abe Herbaugh, Adam Davidson was there. A couple of newer guys that I'd never seen their work before, so I got a chance to look at those up close. Uh, Dr. Bob Keys had his uh, had his pipes there, and again, the, the tables were full. There was a lot of stuff to look at. There was a lot of uh, good-looking pieces to dig around. There were a handful of people that were selling some vintage tobaccos. Uh, the one thing that I did pick up was a 1960s-era Dunhill two-pipe case, and if I get a chance, I'll take a picture of it and post it on my Facebook page later this week. But it's just a cool old leather zipper case that's kind of rigid, and it'll work well for me when I want to travel with uh, with two pipes that I want to protect really well, although they will have to be smaller pipes. Uh, I do want to mention lots of uh, lots of show listeners came by and said hi and that's always wonderful i love hearing that but i want to send a special shout out to three of them uh keldon caleb and liam uh heard that they listen to the show all the time and appreciate that uh spent some time with the uh forums meetup table although i was only there for about 10 minutes but it's good to see that the forums have their own little gathering spot and everybody gets together and gets a chance to hang out uh tobacco contest yeah there was a whole bunch of jars of tobacco up in the front of the room with secret codes and everybody was allowed to smoke a bowl and taste test i think there were 16 or 18 of them up there i lost track when i started counting but there were they were divided into three categories an aromatic an english and a virginia uh mcclellan won the virginia competition Sutliff won the English competition and Lane Limited won the aromatic competition. So a lot of fun. And again, the beauty of the entire event was we all got a chance to smoke right there in the same exact hall where the event went on and they had a concession stand open. On Saturday, everybody went out to dinner and then came back for the local brew pub, Legends Brewing, a... uh, local microbrew here had donated a keg of beer to the club and actually it was two kegs so there was free beer on friday night everybody gathered hung out until the uh until about 11 11 30 when i think they finally uh finally the last people left sunday everybody was up and early and back over at the convention center at 9 a.m and of course sunday's always a slower day but still the activity was good and for me Sunday and with my new job Sunday was a chance to really get out and get around and see some of the other retailers see some of the other tables uh, see what's going on out and about there and spend some time socializing I did forget to mention uh, Rick Hopkins from Ye Olde Pipe and Tobacco Shop in Arizona he had I think three or four tables just jam-packed full of pipes so if you're in Phoenix you want to go to Ye Olde Pipe and Tobacco Shop so There's a little bit of a recap of what goes on at a pipe show. Remember, the next pipe show coming up this year is in Las Vegas, the Palace Station, November 7th and 8th, first first Saturday and Sunday in November. I will be there. Make sure if you're on the West Coast, get yourself out to the Palace Station. It's a lot of fun. All right, in just a few minutes, Quincy Worthington will be on the phone with me. Craftsmanship, history, tradition, 
These are the hallmarks of all quality products, from the finest wines bottled in France to the most highly engineered automobiles manufactured in Germany. Denmark has been the one country in the world where craftsmanship, history and tradition have for centuries created the finest pipe tobaccos in the world. Since 1887, the Halberg family have led the pipe tobacco industry through their ownership of Mac Baron Tobacco Company, and they continue to create the most sought-after blends in the world today, just as they did over 100 years ago. In keeping with their long history of providing the world with the best tobacco on earth, Mac Barron is proud to announce their newest creation, Modern Virginia, as a loose-cut version and a flake version. Bright and dark, rich Virginia tobaccos have been combined with just a hint of burley for strength in this soft and smooth smoke with delicious fruit undertones. As the world leader in flake tobacco production, Mac Barron is sure that this blend will appeal to the true connoisseurs of traditional Virginia flake tobacco, as well as those who like their tobaccos on the sweeter side. Enjoy the culmination of centuries of experience by picking up a tin of Modern Virginia from Mac Barron Tobacco Company. Available at fine tobacconists everywhere. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Hi, this is Russ Willett, and you're listening to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. I am excited to welcome to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show a regular show listener and forum contributor and and part of the uh, continuing uh, members of the clergy that we've had on the show. Please welcome Pastor Quincy Worthington to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. Hey, Brian, how are you doing I'm doing good. So tell us how. All right. Well, let's back up to the beginning. Where were you born? Where'd you grow up, and all that stuff. Okay, I am. Uh, I'm adopted, so uh, I, I don't know exactly where I was born, uh, but I was raised in Erie, Pennsylvania, until I was about 16, and then I went off to a boarding school in Ohio, and bounced around from there in upstate New York, and then went all over the place. And was going into the ministry, was that your first calling? Um, that is a tricky question. I think uh, when I was real young, I wanted to be a minister, and then I wanted to be a rock star, which uh, kind of conflicted with wanting to be a minister. And then uh, it was kind of a path that, that slowly found me kind of throughout my journey in academics, actually. All right, so spell out the let, let's go through the details of the journey because I'm all I'm always fascinated in this and so did you want to be a rock star and try that first? Yeah, I, I think I wanted to live more of a rock star lifestyle than I actually wanted to be a rock star. <laughs> um, so uh, but when I when I went to college, I went to a really small college in Vermont called Marlboro College. And yep, it's spelled just like the cigarettes. Um, <laughs> I studied. Uh, I studied filmmaking at first, and then um, I found myself gravitating towards political theory and theology and wondering, this was right around 9-11, and I became a moderator at my college for a teaching on Islam and um, kind of what was going on in the world with Islam and, and the terrorist attacks on the United States. And that really piques my curiosity on whether or not religion could actually be used for a force for social good. 
and so I started studying a lot of the civil rights movement and stuff like that. And uh, through that, you know, I was dating a girl at the time who really wanted me to go to law school because her father was a prominent lawyer in upstate New York, <laughs> and uh, he made pretty good money. And uh, I said, you know, I'm really thinking about going to seminary and pursuing the theology side of this stuff. And uh, that doesn't pay as well as her father's lawyer job did. So, um, no, you know that that kind of ended that relationship. But uh, I, I started going to seminary, kind of with the idea that I would um, eventually pursue a PhD in theology uh, and maybe teach. But as as I was in seminary. I started serving two small congregations in rural Virginia. I went to seminary in Richmond, Virginia, at Union there. And then um, it was, uh, I fell in love with, with serving those two small churches, and uh, the classes I really enjoyed and embraced in seminary were all what they call practical theology courses, which are um, pastoral care and preaching and leading worship and uh, stuff like that. And I realized that, you know, my passion really lied in, in serving the church, and it allowed me to do everything I wanted to do. I can teach in the church. I get to go visit and counsel people. I get to lead and participate in worship, and that's that's really where my heart was. So I ended up uh, skipping the Ph.D., and by that time I was married, and uh, we had four kids, so I needed to make money. <laughs> and so my wife was a little bit relieved, and... Uh, I was I graduated two thousand nine and I haven't looked back since. Now, when did the pipe smoking begin? Oh, that uh, I uh, I started smoking a pipe. Uh, I think I was like thirteen or fourteen, and uh, my friend's dad smoked a pipe and cigarettes. And uh, you know, my dad was a cigarette smoker, and uh, so we would steal packs of cigarettes. And then one day he stole his dad's pipes, um, and I probably owe that guy a pipe or two because. <laughs> we probably demolished those things. And uh, that was the first time I smoked a pipe, and I absolutely loved it, and would ask him to steal his dad's pipes for us whenever we could, and I won't mention who my friend is to keep him out of trouble. <laughs> um, and so then it kind of became off and on until I was in my first call, and I got um, I got another pipe. I, I got one in college, but then I got another pipe at my first church, and... Uh, I abused the crap out of that thing. You know, I didn't know anything about piping, so, you know, I was running water through to clean it out, and I didn't think cake was a good thing, so I spent hours scraping the cake out of the pipe and just demolished it. And then uh, maybe about two, two, three years ago, I guess uh, I decided I really wanted to try it again, and then I found the forum and learned so, so much about what I was doing to brutalize my pipes. Or even that you should have more than one pipe. And uh, ever since then, it's become kind of an obsession of mine, which my wife is really thrilled with. <laughs> so, wait a second. So, the the first couple of pipes you had, where did you get them? I, uh, <clears throat> when I was in high school, there was a place in the Mill Creek Mall in Erie, Pennsylvania, called Tobacco World. And it's now called Heritage Tobacco and Gifts. Um, and it's on the other side of the hallway, and uh, you can't smoke in there anymore. But I was fascinated by the old guys sitting in there smoking pipes and cigars, and I used to try and sneak in there. And uh, Jerry would always kick me out of the kick me out of the store 
And so when I moved back to the, the northeastern Ohio, northwest Pennsylvania area, um, I went in there. But I remember when I was 18 and got my first pipe, I walked in there, and he pointed at me, and he said, get out. And he was, you know, seemed like a really grumpy guy. And I was like, wait, wait, I'm 18. And he was like, well, come on in. And <laughs> he and I became really close after that. So when I moved back to the area, you know, I went right to him to get my pipe. And, um, you know, if, if at all, that would be where I would go to get my tobacco, too, just because uh, I supported, you know, a local B&M. And I feel, you know, relatively passionate about that. And, uh, you know, he ended up over the past two, three years I lived in northeastern Ohio teaching me a lot about tobacco blends and, and finding things I liked and making me reach out. And he also yelled at me for almost exclusively buying Italian pipes. Um, you know, I was obsessed with Armellini pipes for a while, and he made me buy some other ones. He said, you know what these smoke like. You need to try other pipes. And so uh, now I now I have a lot more pipes. And oddly enough, I'm, I'm not as big a fan as of our... Uh, Italian pipes as I used to be. Do you remember some of the tobaccos that you started out with? Yeah, the very first tobacco I started out with was Captain Black. And uh, then I, I, you know, and I was in high school, and uh, then I bought some Borkum Riff, and I thought it was just an inferior smoke all around. Um, and, and now, you know, I still like Captain Black, but I can't stand it because I, I, it goops up my pipes too badly. And I don't know if it's a a user issue or a tobacco issue on that, but I don't don't have that problem with other blends. Um, and then when I lived in Richmond, I went to a B&M there that had a bunch of bulk tobacco, and uh, I found that I really liked fire-cured Cavendish, which I don't particularly enjoy anymore either. But those were probably the first first three tobaccos I really tried. I did try some Dunhill Royal Yacht when I was in high school, and I, I didn't understand why anybody would smoke that. <laughs> I can't argue with that. Um, so, all through your pipe smoking, have your have your taste in pipes and taste in tobaccos continuously evolved? Yeah, yeah. I mean, even recently, I've noticed that you know I wasn't a big fan of straight Virginias and Virginia Perique so much. Um, but lately, um, I can't get enough of uh, Dunhill's Elizabethan mixture, which is, you know, Virginia Perique. And I'm smoking deluxe Navy rolls now for the first time, which I'm, I'm enjoying a bit. And then I noticed I used to like big, crazy, weird-looking pipes. And, you know, lately I've started to notice that I really – in gravitating towards and appreciating the subtlety and the finesse of classical shapes, especially like the classic English billiard. I just, I go nuts over them now. And I used to not like straight pipes at all. And now I think most of my pipes, if not 90, well, yeah, probably about 90% of them are, are straights. So and mid-sized to smaller rather than these huge hunking pipes that I used to smoke. And what do you do when you get when you get to the point where you don't like a pipe anymore? Um, I well, recently I started selling them off to buy pipes that I liked, or trading them off to get pipes that I wanted. Um, ever since I started smoking a pipe, and especially when I got back into it, I'd always been curious about 
whether or not Dunhill pipes were all hype or if there was really something to them. Um, so I actually recently just traded off a few pipes to get a, uh, a beautiful 1964 Dunhill root briar. It's just gorgeous. And so, have you smoked it yet? Yeah, quite extensively. I actually got it at the same time. I got a, uh, the, in the same mail package, basically, or in the same mail delivery, I got that and then a new pipe from uh, Jay Koshi, who does Briar Bird Pipes. And so I, I did an experiment where I wanted to see if uh, Dunhill lived up to the hype that it did and also how it compared to an artisan pipe. So I smoked like both of those kind of back-to-back with the same blend. And I think I'm just finishing up on that. Of course, I'm smoking the, the Briarbird pipe right now. So Any, uh, any like preliminary uh, any preliminary results yet? Yeah, you know, I found that it's, uh, it's like comparing apples to oranges. Um, Jay and I have become really close friends, and so um, I've discovered that despite... Um, the objectivity that a lot of my professors liked that I had in college, where I could kind of divorce myself from from things and look at them objectively, as objectively as somebody can, and as rationally as somebody can, um, that I'm horribly biased when it comes to pipes. You know, like now I think that Dunhill is probably the best Dunhill that you could ever buy. Um, <laughs> but you know, when I smoke when I smoke the artisan pipes. You know, especially from Jay, and then my friend John Jensen is a accomplished pipe maker. To me, it's like sitting down with them and and having my friend with me. So it's hard to divorce that from the experience of smoking the pipes. But I will say that Jay's pipes are just beautifully engineered, and the Dunhills are they're not just hype. At least not for me. I found their engineering, which I guess was I was most concerned with, just just beautiful i mean they are they are great smokers we'll take a break right here when we come back we're going to touch on a subject that i don't think we've really dug into much on the show but we're going to talk about uh tattoos and then preaching so stay with us we'll be back in just a minute the carolinas and the tobacco tradition have been woven together generation after generation From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the coastal low country, it's an integral part of our culture and heritage, building our beautiful tapestry. Cornell and Deal is proud to blend our pipe tobaccos in the Carolinas. Our history with tobacco dates back to the mid-1800s, and in that time we've perfected a variety of blends. The Carolinas have given us the perfect backdrop to do just that. Whether you're a fan of the rich Virginias, bold Latakias, spicy periques, or unique aromatics. We've got a tobacco that's just right for your discerning taste buds. At Cornell and Deal, we live all things pipe tobacco, blending it, smoking it, and enjoying the company of those who share our excitement. Tobacco, it's what we do. Stop by CornellandDeal.com. Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. 
This is Internet Radio. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Quincy. All right, so you just recently moved to uh, to Munster, Indiana, which is just south of Chicago, correct? Yep, yep, we're about 30 minutes from downtown. And you are the head of staff at a Presbyterian church, and I guess what I'm, what I'm leading up to is, uh, have you ever worked pipe smoking into one of your sermons? Um, not yet, no, I haven't. And I, I don't know why that is. But I, I haven't. Do you do you let the members of the church know that you smoke a pipe? Or is it something that you do yeah. privately? Um, I don't really smoke a pipe while I'm at church. One, you can't smoke inside. Um, and two, I just... When, I, when I'm ready to go and relax, I'm ready to go home. <laughs> I don't, you know, I work about 60 to 80 hours a week, so um, it's good to be home and do it. But... Most of them know I do. There's a guy in our church who, right after church, goes outside, and he sits down, and he smokes a pipe. Um, and so he and I have talked, and I don't uh, I don't hide it from them or or deny it. And it's kind of ironic that Pastor Emeritus there, who was there for about 30 years before I was, he, he was a pipe smoker. And when he started there, he just smoked in his office all the time. Uh, I'm a little jealous of that. Wait, did he have a church warden? I don't know. I didn't ask him. Well, that should have been. That would been. make sense, though. Yeah. All right, so let me ask you this. When you're, you know, sometime during the week, you're thinking of what your sermon's going to be for next week. What inspires the sermon that you're going to do? Um, well, first would be the scripture. Um, I generally try and follow what's called the Revised Common Lectionary, which is a uh, like on a three-year cycle and gives you different scripture readings and that way it kind of helps you ensure you're not repeating you're not preaching on the same six things every you know every six weeks so um i use that a lot but generally what i look for is kind of the context of what's going on in the life of the congregation and maybe what's going on in my own life and um you know i i always try and start with scripture and see what the scripture is saying, and then pull that out and say, well, how how does this relate to my life? How does this relate to the life of my congregation? How does this relate to the life of of the country or what we're going through as a society? And today I, I talk about um, ISIS. It's, it was World Communion Sunday and uh, collecting the peacemaking offering, you know. And in this day and age, what is what does peace look like? What does that mean? And how do we, how do we as Christians promote peace in a world that right now is so, so torn, especially because of religious extremism? And so quickly divided. So, uh, what what advice do you have for us for what is peace? You know, I think for me, um, peace starts at home, and, and what I mean by that is with myself, right? I, I really believe in kind of grassroots movements, um, and so I believe that it takes me living peacefully in my life and me treating people with justice and grace, grace and justice erring on the side of grace. You know, that's how it begins to spread. You know, so 
trying to kind of be the eye of the storm, essentially, or, you know, as, as the Gospel of John says, being a light that shines through the darkness. I mean, it doesn't say that the darkness is gone. The darkness is still there, but it's it's being light and hope and grace in the midst of that darkness is is really what we're called to do. Do you find that when you're writing your sermons, it helps to smoke your pipe? Yes, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, it's absolutely necessary. Almost, I mean, I, I, I just, I need a pipe. My friend John made me a pipe that's perfect for smoking while I'm writing a sermon because it's a cherry wood that I can, I can sit down when I need to pipe and then pick up when I'm ready for it. But. Uh, it always reminds me of the story of uh, Kurt Vonnegut said he sm- he quit smoking for two weeks. And he said he couldn't write a damn thing, and so he went out and bought a pack of cigarettes and sat down and write a book. Wrote a book right then. So, <laughs> <laughs> it does help. It helps me to to smoke and think at the same time. So I can completely understand that. Uh, well, and that's the thing I think that helps is that when I pick up the pipe to smoke, it causes me to pause and really think about what it is I'm writing and what I'm trying to say. And do you find that when you're smoking the when you're smoking the pipe and writing at the same time that sometimes the pipe gets awfully hot because you forgot what you were you forgot you were smoking the pipe? Yeah, well, that's why the pipe I use for that is kind of a heavier pipe that I don't really quench. I find if I'm in a billiard, the next thing I know, that thing's on fire. (laughs) (laughs) And you're and you're burning the uh, you're burning the Holy Ghost out of it. Right, that's right. It suddenly becomes a Pentecost sermon. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now let's turn to another thing that I know about you, and I'm a bit of a fan of because I've got three of them. But um, you have a fair amount of tattoos. Yeah, I think it's probably fair to say that I'm covered. And in fact, at my seminary, I was uh, I was the most tattooed seminary student in the history of the seminary. <laughs> <laughs> is is being tattooed and then being in seminary and being a pastor is that kind of a, a, a contradiction in terms, or is it something that, that that me me not being a big churchgoer at all would notice? Uh, are there other tattooed pastors and ministers out there there are um and you know i know a few that have a few but i uh i've i've only heard of other pastors that are tattooed to the extent i am some are tattooed even more than i am um which is kind of cool i mean i have two full sleeves and and my legs pretty much tattooed up so i mean i'm i'm pretty covered but uh what i've found actually is that uh the old World War II generation loves it because they suddenly don't feel self-conscious about their tattoos. And uh, a lot of the congregation, I've had, I've had a lot of people, I guess, come up to me and say that they actually appreciate that I have them because it's shown them that with their kids and grandkids that it doesn't make somebody a bad person. You know, my mother still believes that, you know, criminals and sailors, sailors are the only ones that are supposed to have tattoos. <laughs> and I'm not a sailor, so. <laughs> and no longer a criminal. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so. do, you have, do you have any really special to you tattoos, or are they all special? Yeah, I mean, they're all special because they all kind of, I mean, it's a story of my life pretty much on my body. You know, and I've 
been lucky where I've been kind of picky about what I've gotten, and even kind of the sillier tattoos have have meaning. But I think um, probably the most special to me is uh, my right arm. I've got all my kids' names incorporated into banners on on different tattoos that symbolize them to me. And so it's I like that because it's, it's like taking my kids with me wherever I am. All right, now you said sillier ones. What what are the sillier ones? Well, I guess I, I do have a, uh, a, maybe about a year ago, I was talking to a friend of mine at a tattoo shop, and my best friend's a tattooer, and uh, in college I worked as a counter guy at a tattoo shop, and uh, one of our friends was saying that he never had done a Tasmanian devil tattoo, and I said, well, you're not a real tattooer until you've done that. And uh, so I ended up with a, uh, a, a Taz cyclone, tattoo <laughs> and then i also have a uh, a boxing jesus tattoo which is based off of uh, an old traditional kid slug tattoo but it's uh it's jesus instead so those are people like is that jesus and boxing gloves said, yeah that's that's jesus and boxing gloves <laughs> <laughs> i i don't think he would have been in the heavyweight division but i could see him yeah 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 probably welterweight at best you know so I mean, he was a carpenter, so, you know, he probably, probably had some strength to him. Yeah, but not much body mass. No, no. No, probably not. So, in keeping with the idea that you've got full sleeves of tattoos, and obviously from talking to you, we wouldn't consider you to be a uh, traditionally very uh, straight, very strict or uh, straight and narrow kind of a... Uh, kind of a pastor on Facebook your middle name is Danger uh, <laughs> and that's not your real middle name but I'll go I'll let you go ahead and explain that well yeah it's funny people ask me if that's my real middle name and I tell them all the time that my parents weren't nearly that cool um, <laughs> so um, but uh, it, it's from Austin Powers where uh, they're playing poker and he says Danger is my middle name I thought there you go might as well put Danger as my middle name. So, so I get a lot of questions about that. <laughs> so, on, so on Facebook, your middle name is based off of Austin Powers. Yeah, isn't that kind of dorky? Well, that just goes right along with being a tattooed pipe-smoking pastor, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. What made you guys move to the new uh, to the new church recently? a loaded question um i was uh i was at my last call for almost three years um and uh i got a call one day from this church asking if i would be interested in coming here um and you know i think i think things at that call were kind of coming to an end as far as um my skill set being suited for the congregation and kind of working with them and so it seemed like a, a reasonable time to, to leave. My kids were actually at an age where it would have been okay. And uh, so when this church called and asked, you know, we started the conversation. And um, through that conversation, I think we felt, all of us felt that my skill set would be well suited for here. And that, um, you know, in, in religious terms, we, we felt that it was really God calling us together and that it was time. And 
you know, that it would be a wonderful opportunity for both me and my family. And, uh, you know, I've been here maybe three and a half months and I have totally fallen in love with these people. It's, uh, it's a big place, but it really has the feel of a family and of a community and the church is constantly busy with activity and they're very missionally minded as far as reaching out and helping people. We feed about a thousand people a month out of our church kitchen. Um, so things like that that I feel really passionately about, they feel really passionately about. And I think they liked that. Um, I'm a pretty down to earth guy. I'm kind of a, what you see is what you get guy. And, and I believe in being realistic about faith and being realistic about the world and how those two come together. And I think people here appreciate that. And they don't always appreciate that in church sometimes. So, And they needed, the, the last pastor had been there for 30 years and he smoked a pipe, so they needed another one for the next 30 years. Yeah, yeah, and he drank co- coffee like it was going out of style, and I am definitely, uh, a, definitely a coffee drinker, a constant coffee drinker. So I think uh, I've, I've heard a few similarities drawn between the two of us which uh, after meeting him is quite an honor because he's, he, he he's quite a remarkable man. So, The church's name is Westminster Presbyterian Church, and the website is wpcmunster.org. And on there are uh, videos where you can watch Quincy give a sermon and check in and see what he's doing, and you can go back... Uh, several months and see a whole bunch of sermons right there. Yeah, you can. <laughs> I'm not very good looking, so I don't know why you would want to watch the video, but uh, it's there if you want to see it. And the same reason why I do a radio show. Yeah, yeah, I definitely have a face for radio. And I don't have to dress up for this, so there you go. Yeah, yeah. All right, we will... fortunate. We will wrap this up with the Fast Five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer. Whatever comes to your mind, and you've heard the show enough, so you should have had these rehearsed. Are you ready? Okay. What's your favorite pipe? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I'm going to have to go with my Briarbird Billiard that I commissioned him to do. I love it. It's beautiful. The draw on it, Brian, I'm telling you, the draw on it is unlike anything I've ever experienced. And what's your favorite tobacco? Right now, it has to be Dunhill Elizabethan blend, um, but that's subject to change next week. So, <laughs> so we'll, we'll check in next week and find out. Yes. Uh, what's your favorite drink? Coffee. And when it's time to relax with with four kids and a and a whole ministry to worry about, um, is it a book, a movie, or music? You know, I really want to say a book because I read a lot, and I read and smoke a lot, but when I'm really trying to relax at the end of the day, it's usually a movie or, um, you know, I guess HBO TV shows like uh, True Detective and Game of Thrones and stuff like that. And (laughs) now I've lost track of where I am. So here, uh, (laughs) last but not least, any particularly favorite pipe-smoking memory? Hmm. Besides stealing a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, 
And I think the first time, there, there are probably uh, quite a few, but um, I think the first time I really got smoking a pipe and I had that kind of revelation smoke that everybody talks about where just everything worked for the first time, um, that's a particularly fond memory. Anytime I've been over with Jay in his workshop talking about making pipes and, and smoking, that's been really fun. Uh, and then um, I didn't get to the pipe show in Richmond this year, but last year's Richmond pipe show was was a great place to smoke and hang out. It was fantastic. So there's three. You asked for one, uh, but I'm a pastor. You can't expect me to be short-winded. And I can't cut you off because you know, I could get a lightning bolt or something on me. That's right, and we're Trinitarians, so, you know, three and one, there you go. <laughs> And if you want to run into Quincy on PipesMagazine.com, he's come up with a very, uh, with a very uh, sneaky, um, uh, with a very sneaky screen name for Pipes Magazine. It's Quincy. Uh, hiding in plain sight. Quincy, thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It's been quite an honor to be on this. It's really a thrill. We'll be back in just a minute. Signore, signore, scusi per favore, but what is that intoxicating and delicious aroma coming from your pipe? Oh, uh, this is Molto Dolce, my all-time favorite blend from Sutliff Tobacco. Do you like it? I found it on SutliffMoltoDolce.com. Do you mind if I try? Oh, signore, this truly is Molto Dolce. So charming that you even speak my language as it is truly very sweet. <laughs> just like you, I am sure. I can just taste the warm caramel and sweet dripping honey gushing through my mouth. Oh, and even better, the rich vanilla flavor plays so well with the other tastes over my tongue. It is like they are all having a giant playful pillow fight on smooth and silky sheets of tobacco in my mouth. Pure heaven! Mi piace moltissimo, mi amore. Can't you see it, signore? I can see it. I can see it. And signore, best of all, no tongue bite. Grazie un milione for the pipe, signore. Hey! Sutliff Tobacco Company will not be held responsible for any loss of one's favorite pipe customers may experience when smoking our delicious Malto Dolce blend in public. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corn cob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show. I'm uh, really looking forward to hanging out with Quincy a little bit in uh, Chicago next year in May. So that'll be fun to look forward to. And I also realized while I was talking to Quincy that, you know what, I suck as a reporter. Uh, This weekend got a chance to uh, look at the new Icarus and Neptune pipes, the pipes that uh, Todd Johnson and Pete Prevost talked about. Really impressive-looking pipes and priced really well for the quality of them. And uh, Jason Bard from Bard's Vintage Briars had a uh, great display of just a ton of estate pipes this weekend. So you never know what you're going to find when you hit a pipe show. All right, uh, for music, 
uh, as dreamers do, the movie about Walt Disney's life in Missouri was narrated by Travis Tritt. And Travis was inspired after doing the narration to write a song about it. And I thought, you know what? Heck with it. We'll just play this song for you. It is called That's What Dreamers Do. It was written on his bus heading back home after recording the narration. So country music star Travis Tritt for you. Absolutely nothing to do with pipe smoking, except that I really like the song because it was inspired by uh, Walt Disney's young life. You've got mail. You've got mail. You've got mail. 
All right, not exactly in the mailbag, but still of interest. I thought a couple of good articles on PipesMagazine.com, including uh, Steve Morissette's review of the Southern Fried Pipe Show 2014, the one that took place in Nashville a couple of weeks ago. Make sure and check that out. Steve gives a good rundown of everything that happened there. On top of that, uh, in Pipe Smoke is uh, probably one of my favorite articles written on Dunhill by Alan Schwartz, and that's the Pipe Smoke archives. So check those out on the front page of PipesMagazine.com. And then in our traditional mailbag, yeah, got to hang out again in Richmond a little bit with John Seiler, the number one fan, and uh, and his, uh, as he calls himself, he's the pipe pimp to friend Bill Kotick, so got to see both of them. But in regards to last week's show, uh, John writes, I prefer rusticated pipes over smooth pipes. NASPC published an article in The Pipe Collector by... Uh, Bill Kotek and John, uh, they wrote several years ago entitled We Like Them Rough. It is all about the tactile feel of the pipe. I think it says it all. I never even, in going back to last week's pipe parts, I never even thought of the, the tactile nature of rusticated pipes, and that can be something that people look for too. Uh, John goes on to write, Brian McNulty is one pipe person that I've not had the pleasure to meet probably because he's West Coast focused. There's definitely a difference between the artist and the mechanic pipe maker. The term synchronistic or synchronicity was used twice in the interview. You should look up what Carl Jung, psychologist, who has written on the topic in conjunction with the I Ching, Wilhelm and Baines translation, a Chinese book on living. Uh, John, John, those are all big words that... Uh, Brian McNulty used, not me. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'll check him out. And uh, great blues choice on the music. Rant, okay on the rant, but I'm not much for movies. Great show, see you in Richmond with a surprise. And the surprise was he's working on his own blend based off of the stories that he's written. Uh, let's see, Quincy wrote, That was a fascinating interview to me for some reason. I loved his story about he about how he followed his nose to Santa synchronicity indeed. And I thought it was kind of interesting now that we've had both of them back to back, how they're both very, uh, both Quincy and Brian are very spiritual people, just on uh, kind of different paths down that spiritual road. Uh, Racer X said, I enjoyed the interview with Brian McNulty. I had the good fortune to meet Brian at the second meeting of the Los Angeles Pipe Club in August. He showed us tampers he'd made from all different kinds of materials, various woods, metal, horn, really beautiful work, fun guy to talk to, hang out, and smoke with, too. And don't forget, if you are looking for a pipe club, there is a pipe club section of the forums on Pipes Magazine, so you can go on there and see where a pipe club is in your area. Start planning ahead for next year for the pipe shows, the uh, stuff that you see at a pipe show. Man, I you know I can't even can't even begin to recount everything that goes on at a pipe show for you in one episode of an entire show but just on one aisle of this year's show you had uh cornell and deal sampling tobaccos you had uh savinelli with a full display of pipes 
You had Sutliff and McBaron sampling tons of tobaccos. You had Russ Wallette with Hearth and Home sampling a ton of tobaccos. And then back in the room a little bit was McClellan with a whole bunch of new tobacco samples, tobaccos sitting out to sample. So just the amount of pipe tobaccos that you can see, sniff, smell, and try at a pipe show is... uh, Pretty incredible and overwhelming. On top of that, the show had 16 blends that they were all promoting there. So once again, I can't uh, can't emphasize how much fun it is. If you can get yourself to a pipe show, do that. Again, the next one coming up is uh, Las Vegas. Then we start the year over again with uh, St. Louis in February, Newark, New Jersey in uh, March usually. April is Raleigh. May is Chicago. June, Kansas City. So start planning ahead for those all right we'll be back in just a minute with uh, rant time this is internet radio italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion it's their birthright their legacy and just like savinelli it continues to grow and evolve it is ever-changing milan 1876 Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. Cup of Joe's, a name you know, a name that you trust for all your tobacco needs. Exclusive pipes, pipe tobacco, accessories, pipe stands, and so much more. Cup of Joe's is the one place you can go and take care of every single one of your tobacco purchases. Fast shipping, friendly, professional service. One site, cupofjoes.com. And coming soon, their new line of smoking man pipes, cupofjoes.com. Quality products and extraordinary prices. Cowboy. Cowboy. Well, I've said it before and I've talked about it before. I'm a lightweight. Damn it, I'm a lightweight and I can't just drink as much as I want to. So, with Jorgen here and Jorgen's interest in uh, taste and flavors and his uh, interest in cigars, he was also very interested in bourbons, which I love. And I introduced him to some rye, which I love. And guess what happened? Yeah, after having a couple of drinks with him. I'm a lightweight. I wish I could handle more. You know what? One drink and then I've got to sit for an hour and drink some water before I can uh, hop in a car. Because just one drink per night and that's all I can handle. If I have more than one drink, maybe two or three spread out over four or five hours. But an after dinner drink and then I still got to sit for an hour and sip water, drink a cup of coffee or whatever. I'm a lightweight, and I don't know how to change it. I don't know how to get around it, but 
Hey, at least it uh, you know it makes me a cheap date, and it makes uh, makes things really easy for me when it uh, you know when I want to relax real quick. One shot does it, but in most cases, when I'm out hanging out with people and having a good time, I can only have one drink, and then that's about it for me. If anybody's got any way of helping me with that, I'd appreciate it. I hate being a daisy at the table, but. Uh, you know, one drink, one beer, maybe in a couple of hours, and then I've got to I got to find some place to lay down if I have too much to drink too quick. And you know, with the drinking and driving rules, yeah, I really don't do that at all. So a little bit of a drawback this weekend, but yeah, one drink and that's about it. I'm waiting for this show to be over so that I can do just I can go ahead and have my one drink for the night and get on with things but let me know if you have any tips or suggestions on how to build up tolerance so all right please keep uh, leaving feedbacks ratings and reviews for us on itunes we appreciate that we appreciate the feedbacks and ratings on stitcher radio if you've got friends that smoke a pipe make sure and let them know about the pipes magazine radio show we appreciate it we want to keep the show growing and going for another year so keep on tuning in keep those downloads going Post all your comments on PipesMagazine.com. I do read them all. I want to thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to If you have the most amazing pipes and tobaccos collection in the world, but no car insurance, you might be a pipe collector. If you include your tobacco purchases in your weekly grocery budget, you might be a pipe collector. If you bore your friends with arcane information on draft hole size and stem construction, you might be a pipe collector. If your browser's list of favorite websites is only made up of pipe links, you might be a pipe collector. And I'll add, if you celebrate the anniversary of the day that you bought some of your favorite pipes by giving them a cake and candles and throwing them a birthday party, You are definitely a pipe collector.